Welcome to the Business of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Karen White. If you're a creator or a community maker looking to expand your influence, increase revenue, profit, and productivity, you're in the right place. Join me every Tuesday to learn strategies to elevate your career as a professional influencer. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Business of Influence podcast. Over the past five episodes, we've delved into the intricacies of understanding brand briefs, setting the right price for your campaigns, mastering the art of upselling, learning about campaign inclusions and exclusions, and ensuring you get paid on time. These foundational skills pave the way for our topic today, and that is preparing your influencer scope of work. Now, we know that the digital landscape just continues to evolve at a dizzying pace. But there is one thing that remains constant, and that is the need for clarity, structure, and professionalism in our collaborations. And that's where the scope of work comes in. So what can you expect today? We are going to discuss what is an influencer scope of work, the risks of not using a scope of work in your influencer brand campaigns, and what needs to be included in an influencer's scope of work. Now, this episode is really focusing on digital content creation. So I want you to keep that in mind as we work through the episode. So we're not talking about scope of works that might require you to have different deliverables or for television casting or some other, say, publishing or or other elements. This scope of work is really about brand collaborations and it's probably the one that's most commonly used and is going to be most useful to you. So let's get started. What is an influencer scope of work? You might hear it referred to as an SOW, but it's an influencer scope of work. And this is a document that's crafted by influencers, that's you, to outline the specifics of your collaboration with a brand. It serves as a roadmap and details all the key elements of the campaign's objectives the nature and description of the content to be produced. So what are you doing? Any key deliverables, timelines, the channels of distribution. And beyond the content, the scope of work also elaborates on terms related to campaign fees, payment terms, exclusions, inclusions, and some other general conditions that you might like to include. And it's really useful because by establishing clear expectations 
and deliverables up front, the scope of work ensures a smooth, transparent and effective partnership between you and the brand. It also safeguards and protects the interests of both parties and that paves the way for a successful campaign. I'm a huge fan of creating a scope of work for all of these reasons that I've just described and it is rare that I would ever proceed to work on a campaign without a carefully considered scope of work in place. And that probably leads us nicely into the next section and that's the risks of not using a scope of work in your influencer brand campaigns. We just spoke about the scope of work serving to safeguard the interests of both you and the brand and what that means is that we're covering risks, we're eliminating risks in this collaboration that we're moving forward on. So what are some of the things that can go wrong? There's lots of them and I have probably seen all of them over the past 10 years. Let's start out with the ambiguous deliverables. What does that mean? Well, without a clear scope of work, there could be some confusion about what is expected from you and that might lead to dissatisfaction from both parties so you might be unhappy and the brand might be unhappy. There might be misaligned objectives so without clear goals your content might not align with what the brand's expectations are which could result in the campaign not being as effective as it could be. There could be timeline confusion, so lacking clarity on key dates can lead to disagreements on when content needs to be submitted, if there's any revision timelines, any final publication dates, as well as when does the campaign end? When do the usage rights around your content come to an end? Licensing issues. This is probably the biggest risk and you wouldn't be an influencer if you haven't heard of someone complaining about the misuse of their content. So it's really important to have defined terms in place so there aren't any conflicts over how a brand can use your content, how long they can use the content, the channels that they can use your content on. And that eliminates any risk around unauthorised or overextended use. Overstepping of boundaries. Now, in a previous episode, we spoke about the importance of clearly defining inclusions and exclusions. And if you don't do this, brands may expect additional tasks or content pieces from you that haven't been originally agreed upon and therefore quoted within your price. Financial discrepancies. So if you don't clearly set out your payment terms and your payment structure, this can result in delayed payments, underpayments or disputes over when you should be paid. 
you're also at risk with legal vulnerabilities. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the absence of a clearly defined scope of work may expose you to legal risk if any disagreements arise, especially without documented terms to refer back to. And the final couple of points that I'm going to raise here are things that you might not consider, but they're really important. And that is your professional reputation. Word of mouth is a really big thing in the influencer industry. Brands and agencies often communicate with each other and they'll be quick to recommend talent that have done a great job, but equally quick to blacklist you if you have a reputation for being unprofessional or unreliable. So this could put you at risk at limiting potential collaborations that come your way. So if you don't have a clear documentation process in place that sets out this roadmap, this relationship that you have with a brand, there could be some risk to your professional reputation. And the other thing that's often overlooked is a feedback opportunity. Now, if you're not preparing a detailed scope of work, you're not providing a brand with an opportunity to give you feedback structured feedback about the campaign that you're proposing to work on. So the scope of work gives you a discussion point with the brand to look at different ways and have discussions about the deliverables, the fee, the timing, all of the elements that you consider and put forward in that scope of work. So not preparing a scope of work eliminates this really, really valuable feedback opportunity you have with brands. We now are starting to understand what a scope of work is and the risks of not having a scope of work for your brand campaign. Now let's talk about what needs to be included in your influencer's scope of work. Now I follow the same format for the scope of work for each campaign. The format has three sections in it. Section one, has a campaign overview. Section two has the campaign deliverables and the quote for the work. And section three has the payment and general terms. So imagine your document is set out in these three sections. Let's work through each section now and the detail that you need to include in each section. Section one, the campaign overview. I always start with a confidentiality statement. It might not be something that you think of, but I typically head up my scope of works with a statement that says commercial in confidence. And this means the information that you're sharing with the brand about your rates or any other information in your scope of work is confidential and the person that you're sharing that information with is obligated not to share it without consent. So it imposes some degree of confidentiality on the brand. Now also up the top, you're going to want a title of your document. Call it a scope of work. Makes it very, very clear what it is. 
Next, you'll have a line that names the campaign. So write name of campaign, hyphen or colon. You might put the Barbie cinema release. Put something in there that succinctly describes the campaign that you're working on. Next, you want to put in the client name. Now, if you've listened to the previous episode, episode five, getting paid on time for your influencer campaign, you'll know that it's really important to have the correct client details in your scope of work and that's so you get paid on time. And the client name might be different to the brand that you're actually working with, particularly if you're being instructed via an agency. So you might be working with a public relations agency and the brand has a completely different name. So it's important to note down these details on the top of your scope of work. Pop in the date, the date that you've prepared the scope of work. Next, put your name or your pseudonym. So if your account name isn't in your personal name, for instance, mine is the business of influence, that's what people know me for, I would put the business of influence plus a link to your primary platform. So if the brand has approached you to work on TikTok, put your TikTok link in. If it's Instagram, put your Instagram link in, blog, whatever that primary channel is, put one link in there. When the brand or the agency is going through all of the quotes, it really highlights that information quickly so they know who they've received that information from. Have your contact details there. So your phone number and email address. Put in a description that is a brief description or summary of the campaign's purpose. And this has possibly already been provided to you by the brand. Next, put in any key dates. So any key dates that are relevant to the campaign, for example, content pre-approval dates, campaign live dates, and maybe even the campaign end date if you've got that. Next, you want to put the term, and that's the term for which you're allowing the brand to use your content. So it might be one week, it could be two weeks, it could be three months, six months, whatever that term is. If you're not sure, specify a period, and then you can negotiate that as required with the brand. The next point you're going to put is the license. I have a specific statement that I include on my scope of works and you'll be able to copy this off the episode show notes. I'll give you those resource links at the end of this episode. But usually I write this statement. Restricted in accordance with this scope of work. What this means is that if the usage isn't covered by the scope of work, the brand should come back to you for additional usage rights. That's a great opportunity for an upsell. And finally, in this top section of the campaign overview, I like to include a short campaign objective. Again, usually the brand will describe the campaign objectives they wish to achieve by collaborating with you. So it might be brand awareness, brand consideration, product launch, event promotion or something like that. So once you've put those 12 points in, you've completed the campaign overview section of your scope of works. 
And that means we can move into the middle section, section two, the campaign deliverables and the quote, the money amount for your work. The first item you're going to include here are the content deliverables. And that's the type of content that you're delivering. It might be a blog post, an Instagram post, a TikTok post, whatever the content deliverable type is you put there. You're also going to include the number of content pieces for each piece of content that you're creating. For example, three TikTok posts, two Instagram in-feed reels, three Instagram story sets with a minimum of three frames. Next, you want to put the content specifications and that is the length, the format or any other elements that need to be included within the content. For example, if it's a blog post, you might specify how many photos will be included with the blog post and how many words, the length of the blog post. For social video content, you'll include the duration, the length of each video. Is it 15 seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes? You need to include the content specifications. I've seen talent come underhand so many times when they might include one by Instagram post and the brand might come back and say, oh, we want a in-feed reel that's a minimum of two minutes long demonstrating a recipe. It really increases the amount of work that you're expected to do if you don't clearly define what you're delivering in your content by specifying this detail. Next, you're going to set out the publication and distribution of the content on your channels, the talent channels. So list your platforms or channels where the content will be published. So for example, you might be creating one piece of social content and you're going to publish it on your TikTok page, your Instagram page, and if you use it, Facebook. Hear me out, people. Facebook is still a thing. Then you want to specify if the content is being published organically or as paid content. So organic, you're just publishing the content. It appears in the feed and there's no budget behind it. Paid means that there's money going behind that piece of content to boost the engagement or the distribution or whatever metrics that are set out. It's really important to note whether it's organic or paid distribution. Then we're going to replicate that statement, publication and distribution, but this time for the brand channels. You need to list the brand platforms or channels that you're giving permission for the content to be published. So again, you look at giving permission for the brand to publish it on their TikTok page, their Instagram page, perhaps on their website or other platforms. Are you giving the brand rights to include it also in their newsletters 
or using the content in other ways. Once again, you need to note whether you're giving the brand rights for organic or paid distribution across their channels. And there's a third consideration, the next line that you're going to put in your scope of work, and that is the publication and distribution on third-party channels. Are you giving the brand rights for distribution across third-party channels? Usually distribution of this nature means that it's paid distribution. So there's going to be spend behind the content and it's going to push out perhaps across different platforms or different digital pages your content is going to be displayed on. So you need to note if there is permission for usage rights across third-party channels and what does that distribution look like. The next point you need to list is your campaign inclusions and exclusions. This section provides details about content pre-approvals, feedback rounds, reporting, responsibilities of the brand such as sending you product to produce the content and any specific tasks or expectations that are part or not part of the agreement. Now this is a very chunky section of your scope of work. Don't be put off by that. We have a whole episode. Episode four, campaign inclusions and exclusions covers this in detail. So I do want you to listen to that episode when you're going ahead and preparing your scope of work. And finally, in this section, you're going to put your campaign fee. That is how much you're charging the brand for completing the collaboration, for doing the work. And you need to note any taxes that might be applicable. Usually campaign fees are quoted excluding tax, but it must be clear if you are eligible to be charging tax for your work. For example, you might quote $1,000 plus GST or whatever the equivalent tax is in your country. We're now at section three the payment and general terms. This is a fairly small section comparatively. The first point I note here are the payment terms. What are the due dates for payments? And that is you might want 50% on signing or acceptance of the scope of work, or you might have your terms broken down into other campaign milestones or it might be a lump sum payment at the end of the campaign or say 14 days after publication of content on talent channels. Whatever those payment terms that you've negotiated or agreed to, this is where you want to set out what those terms are. And again, we've got another bumper episode on how to get paid on time. We'll make sure we round up all these links for you at the end of the episode and in the show notes. And then I want you to note any general terms and conditions. Generally, in this section, I note how long the quote is valid for. For example, 14 days. 
There's nothing worse than when you submit a quote to a brand and it sits there and sits there and six months later, the brand comes back to you and says, hey, we want to work with you now. But since then, your channel's completely blown up, your engagement is through the roof and your pricing has changed. So you want to make sure you've got provision to go back to the brand and requote on any new opportunities. You might also want to include any cancellation or termination conditions that you have. This is an important note that I want you to consider. A scope of work does not override a proper contract. Large or high value or complex campaigns typically require a campaign contract. This has detailed terms and conditions and clauses that will protect both the brand and you if there's any performance issues in delivering the work. Plus, there's a higher level of detail around campaign deliverables, payment terms and other general conditions. I cannot recommend highly enough that for any high value campaign that a proper campaign contract is prepared and signed by both parties. I'm sure you're going to go ahead and prepare your scope of work with confidence following the segments and sections and information that we've set out in today's episode. But you need to be careful. Unless you have a legal background, it may not give you the level of protection you need. So it may not minimise all the legal vulnerabilities that you have. With that said, it goes a very long way to establishing that clear communication and expectations that the brand will have when they're working with you. It's a really valuable document and like everything we do in this space, we learn as we go. We'll all make mistakes preparing a scope of work. We might forget something, not include something. We'll make mistakes. We'll slip up. But that's part of that learning process. That's part of you learning to become a professional influencer and learning to protect yourselves, value your work and negotiate your worth. So the scope of work is a tool, it's a mechanism for you to do that. And it's really important that you include this, even if it's a scaled down version as you start to build confidence around writing your scope of work. So I do encourage you to do it. Try it. If you're not sure, why don't you join our Facebook group and we can chat about different things in there about how to refine your scope of work and different ways that you can improve the conversations that you're having with brands when you're preparing your influencer scope of work. So that was a pretty big episode today. We've got all the resources that you need for today's episode, including 
a checklist for you to follow when you're preparing your influencer campaign scope of work and a bunch of other resources for you over on the website and you'll find that at thebusinessofinfluence.com forward slash EP6. That's forward slash EP6. Now we've got some exciting guests coming up in future episodes too. It was really important when we started this podcast that we laid some foundation skills for you, some important information you know to set you off on the right path for quoting your work and articulating your value and understand working with brands. Now we're going to mix things up a little and we're going to share some experiences and expertise from some guests coming up in future episodes. There might be one or two more solos coming up before those guest episodes go live, but continue to follow along and we'll be sharing experiences from right across the influencer space for you to learn from. I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Until then, stay creative.